how are you doing? Welcome to Summer Camp 2020. It is fantastic to be here. As uh, Bass just said, yesterday my son and I flew seven hours from Nairobi in Kenya to Cape Town just to be here. And I want to tell you, having been here the last few hours, it is absolutely worth every mile that we traveled to be here with you. And the fun is only just beginning. Can you imagine that? And uh, we bring loads and loads of love and greetings to you from a church called One Tribe, which is in Nairobi, which is the capital of Kenya, which is about the coolest nation on the planet of the earth, with South Africa coming in a close third behind Zimbabwe, because that's where I grew up. And uh, it's just fantastic to be here. And um, uh, our church was started three years ago. And it was started by the group of church that we were part of, Advance, that Bates was talking about. And uh, we've had loads of friends and teams come and just encourage us and bless us and strengthen us in what we're doing. We've had people come from Jubilee and Common Ground and uh, New Gen and One Hope. And it's been absolutely awesome being on this mission with God together. And uh, speaking of being on a mission with God, over the coming uh, couple of days, most of the main sessions that we are in together... We're going to be looking at a book that a lot of you would have heard about, and uh, it's a book about a guy called Jonah. <laughs> what is the most important thing about you? What is the most important thing about you? I know, how I know how I might have answered that question when I was your age, which is not as long ago as you might think. You might have said the most important thing about me, well, it's the size of my biceps. Or it's how popular I am. Or it's what sports team I play for. Or it's what position I get in the class rankings. That might be how you'd answer that question, and you might be right, but there's a guy called A.W. Tozer. He's a dead guy. <laughs> dead guys are usually right. A.W. <laughs> Tozer said this. He said that the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. If I said to you, close your eyes right now, and if I said to you the word God, what comes to mind? In other words, what do you think about when you think about God? A.W. Tozer would say that that is the most important thing about you and the most important thing about me. And over these coming weeks, we're going to be looking at this book of Jonah and we're going to be seeing some exciting stuff. We're going to meet some crazy people. We're going to talk about some crazy things. But fundamentally, this book called Jonah is a book that is designed to shape and to mold what it is you think about when you think about God. So I'm going to pray for us. Then we're going to get into God's word together. God, we want to thank you that you're a God who speaks. We want to thank you that you're a God who's given us a book, the Bible that speaks to us today. And God, tonight, as we step into this incredible book called Jonah, we pray that we would meet Jonah. We pray that we'd meet sailors. 
but God, over and above all that, we ask that we would meet you tonight. That like Nat was saying, we wouldn't be satisfied with, with pictures of Table Mountain when we can experience the real thing. God, I pray that we wouldn't be satisfied with, with, with uh, pale shadows and imitations of who you are. But God, I pray that tonight, through your word, you would take us up that mountain to meet with you. And if you want to meet with God tonight, would you say, Amen. Okay. Jonah chapter 1. Do I mind being on the stage? No problem. Absolutely. This is not because I'm short. That's not what they are saying. It is to help. Is that better? Okay, I can't see you, but um, if you can see me, that is a good thing. Jonah 1 verse 1 says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Some of you are doing that right now. Stop it. <laughs> Stay focused. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on, guess who? Jonah. It's like, oh, man. So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us. What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried to the Lord, O oh Lord, please don't let us die for taking this man's life. Don't hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows 
to him. Okay. Have you heard of the Avengers? If you had to be an Avenger, which Avenger would you be? You can only choose from the ten up on the screen over here. And you express it not vocally, but by standing when your Avenger is called out. Okay, so you've got to be quick. Who's, who's Doctor Strange? A couple of Doctor Strangers. I'm a Doctor Strange, by the way. I think he's pretty cool. You can sit down. No, 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 back it up. Who's Black Panther? I never freeze. Wakanda forever. Awesome. Get it. Ant-Man. Is, does anyone seriously like Ant-Man? I've got to see this. Any Ant-Man people over there? All right. We've got Black Widow. Black Widow. Okay. We were going to have um, the Scarlet Witch, but I thought I might get into trouble for that, so we kept that one off the list. Hawkeye. Who's Hawkeye? Not many people, not even standing up. They're just kind of like waving. That's okay. Spider-Man? Whoa, Spider-Man's big. Spider-Man's big. And we've got, oh, the Hulk, green. That's my trick. I'm, I'm always angry. Just a couple of Hulks. Okay, Thor. Who is worthy? Captain America. Captain South Africa. Okay. Iron Man. Who's Iron Man? Okay, awesome. So the most popular was Doctor Strange, it seems. Is that right? That's what you guys saw as well, Spider-Man. Okay, 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 okay. Top ten Avengers. Next task. Top five Avenger quotes. Who said this one? I can do this all day. Captain America, you got it. Next one. There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> Captain America talking about Thor. Number three. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Okay, these are weighted slightly. Number four. Stark, we need a plan of attack. Stark, I have a plan. Attack. I mean, that one came this close to being top of the list. But my, possibly my favorite Avenger quote of all time is on this movie clip that we're going to have up here right now. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way it might be really good. Wow. Let's talk about this plan of yours. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and maybe it'll be really good. And Iron Man goes, wow, did he just say that? And that's kind of the effect that the story of Jonah would have had to the people who were originally listening to it, they'd have said, wow, did, did just that happen? Did, did, did what we think just happened happen? Did we, did we hear correctly? The Bible says that the word of the Lord God, he spoke. 
And he spoke to a guy called Jonah. Which Jonah? The Bible says Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, you know how you hear Jonah, son of Amittai. We think that's kind of nice. But back then, the people who first heard the story would have said, did you say Jonah, son of Amittai? Uh-huh. Do you mean the Jonah, son of Amittai? Then he said, uh-huh. You see, Jonah was a national hero of a prophet. He had prophesied in the reign of a king called Jeroboam that Israel's territory was going to be expanded, bringing glory to the nation. So kind of like the Springboks coming home from Japan. Jonah was this national hero. And if you opened up a book of the Holy Scriptures and you said, man, there's a story, and the story is about the word of the Lord. Yeah! Coming to Jonah, son of Amittai. They said, this is going to be good. Saying, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. They have said, man, the story is going to rock. But you know what Jonah's response to the word of the Lord was? He said, God, let's talk about this plan of yours. You see, I, I, I think it's really good, except it sucks. <laughs> and so why don't I do the plan, and I'm going to head for Tarshish. Now, Bible experts have studied Tarshish. They've looked up Tarshish and where was it, what was it like, and they've got different thoughts on it. But the one thing you need to know about Tarshish is that Tarshish was the exact opposite direction from where God had told Jonah to go. This is unprecedented in scripture. It has never happened before. A bona fide national hero level prophet being given a message from God and saying that's good except it sucks. I'm going to go my own way. And chances are you and I, we sit here and the Western Cape tonight, we think, wow, did Jonah just do that? I mean, who, who does things like that? But you know, the reality is, if you think about it, I think that you and me are a lot more like Jonah than we realize. You see, we hear things like, like, God's got a plan for my life, and we think, God, you've got a good plan, it, 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 except I think I've got a better plan. And so if it's okay with you, we'll try the better plan first, which is my plan. If that doesn't work, then we may come back to your plan, if that's okay with you. We hear that God has a plan for my friendships and relationships and who I spend my time with, and we think, God, that sounds pretty good, except, to be honest, it kind of sucks. So I'm going to do things my way, if that's okay. We hear that God's got a plan for our sexuality, and we say, God, that sounds like a good plan, except it sucks, and so I'm going to do things my way. We hear God's got a plan for our future. And we say, God, I know the kind of God that you are. You probably want to send me to outer Mongolia to be a missionary. Is that a real place, by the way? I don't know. My geography is not very good. out to Mongolia to be a missionary. God, that, that sounds good. Except it kind of sucks. And so I'm going to do my own thing. 
if that's okay. We're going to learn three things about the kind of God that God is, what we should be thinking about when we think about God. And we're going to learn about him through Jonah's sending, through Jonah's storm, and through Jonah's sacrifice. First of all, through Jonah's sending, we learn that God is a God who has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, this tells us about the kind of God that he has. He says to his people Israel, he says, I know the plans I have for you. And knowing that Israel would say, yeah, yeah, I know, missionary out to Mongolia, I get it. And God says, no, 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 the plans I have are plans, are you following me on the, every scripture should be up there that I reference tonight. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this, it says that you, if you can hear the sound of my voice tonight, you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus with a purpose, and that purpose is to do good works which he prepared in advance for you to do. If you can hear the sound of my voice tonight, you need to eliminate the concept of randomness from your thinking about your life. You are God's workmanship created in Jesus to do awesome things which God prepared in advance for you to do. So you might be walking, you might walk into school and think, how come I don't make it into the top rugby team? It would be really cool if I was in the top rugby team. And God said, I made you to do something awesome. And if you needed to be in the top rugby team to do that, then you'd be in the top rugby team. But I created you for something awesome. And they think, man, I'm, I'm, I'm just not gifted academically. I wish I was better in the classroom. But God says, I created you to do good works. And if you needed to be gifted in the classroom to do those good works, then I'd have gifted you in the classroom. But you've been handcrafted by the living God to do good works. There's nothing random in your life. You're created with a purpose. That's one of the exciting things about being in your teens and 20s is that you spend a lot of time figuring out who am I? What am I good at? What gifts has God given me? What's God's plan for my life? And that's not a bad question, but there's a better question. The better question is this. It's not so much what, 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 what's, what's God's plan for my life. A better question is this. What is God doing on planet Earth? And then how do I fit into his plan? It's the best question you can ask. Some of you can be asking that even during the course of this camp. There's an awesome prayer room that's been set up just for you to be able to get time with God. Don't know if you've peeked inside it, but man, it is absolutely fantastic. Maps of the world and golden bowls representing our prayers. It is awesome. You can be saying to God, God, what is your plan for planet Earth? And how do I fit into that? But Jonah wasn't too interested in that. And so he headed to Tarshish. Then verse 4. That's Jonah's sending. We learn some things about God and God's a God with a plan for us. He's doing something on planet earth. But then we encounter the storm. The Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. 
I absolutely love this. God sees a rebellious prophet who's supposed to be going to Nineveh and he's going to Tarshish. So what does he do? The Bible says he sends a storm. I mean, who does that? The Bible says in Isaiah, up on the screen, who has measured, Isaiah 40 verse 12, who, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Psalm 135 verse 7 says this, he makes clouds rise from the ends of the earth. He sends lightning with the rain and brings out the wind from his storehouses. Isaiah 40, it's, it's one of those passages of scripture where Isaiah, he gets into kind of fighting talk mode. And he asks questions where the answer is obvious. He says, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? There's only one possible answer for that. Because this isn't talking about just waters, it's talking about the waters of the earth. I want three guys up here in three seconds' time, three volunteers, and you've got to have big hands. Three guys with big hands up here. Got three seconds. Three, two, one. I need one more. You've got to run up here if you're coming. You've got to run, you've got to run, you've got to run. Okay. This is the hollow of the hand. Can you show me the hollow of your hand? Okay. You're going to decide who is the hollow of the hand competition by audience response. As I hover my holy hand over their head, you've got to say who's got the biggest hollow of the hand. Here we go. It wasn't quite clear. We'll do that once more. Okay. How much water do you think fits into the hollow of his hand? <laughs> two eggs. Okay, two eggs. How much water in the hollow of his hand? Did someone say a glass? Three eggs, you reckon? What is it with eggs and you people? Okay, and? Give him a hand as they sit down. Check it out. There's an author. You can Google him. His name is Andrew Wilson. Andrew Wilson wrote this. He said that on planet Earth every day, there are 45,000 thunderstorms on planet Earth daily. 45,000. If you look at a satellite picture of Earth, you can see them from space, these thunderstorms, 45,000 of them per day. Each thundercloud in that storm, each thundercloud holds on average 100,000 tons of water. The oceans of planet Earth hold 328 million cubic miles of water. 
I don't mind so much if you do well in your maths test or not. I hope that you do well. But what I love about maths is when it helps us to catch something of the glory of God. You know that x equals minus 3 plus 5 squared is b squared minus 4ac all over 2a? All that's pretty cool. But what gets pretty cool is when we start to see the glory of God who the Bible says he holds the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand. Who does that? The Bible says that he is a storm-sending God. I think that's pretty cool. But you know, it gets cooler than that because over the years, people smarter than you and me, they've, they've said that, you know, it's not just that God sends storms. But in some ways, and this is where we start to go up the mountain that Matt was talking about, in some ways, God doesn't just send storms. But as you get to know this God, you realize that he doesn't just send storms. He is, he's like a storm himself. An example would be a guy called C.S. Lewis. You heard of C.S. Lewis? Heard of the Chronicles of Narnia? In the Chronicles of Narnia, the Jesus figure is a lion called Aslan. And Aslan, in this story, he meets Lucy. You can see the words on the screen if you're up close or you can just listen. But this is what C.S. Lewis writes. He says, Aslan stood for a second, his eyes very bright, his limbs quivering, lashing himself with his tail. Then he made a leap high over their heads and landed on the other side of the table. Laughing, though she didn't know why, Lucy scrambled over to over it to reach him. Aslan leapt again. A mad chase began. Round and round the hilltop he led them, now hopelessly out of their reach, now letting them almost catch his tail, now diving between them, now tossing them in the air with his huge and beautifully velveted paws and catching them again. And every now and then stopping unexpectedly so that all three of them rolled over together in a happy laughing heap of fur and arms and legs. This is the important bit. C.S. Lewis writes this, he says, and whether it was more like playing with a thunderstorm or playing with a kitten, Lucy could never make up her mind. Now, if you caught those sailors and Jonah on that boat and you'd said to them, this God, of this, this God of the Hebrews, is he more like a kitten or more like a thunderstorm? They'd have been like, uh, definitely thunderstorm. And he's like that sometimes. Another place, someone's talking about Aslan and he just says this, he says that uh, well, one of the girls says, I feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And then she asks Mr. Bevo who she's talking to. She says, is, is Aslan safe? To which Mr. Bevo replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. Is 
C.S. Lewis says that the God that we serve, the God of the Hebrews, he's, he's, he's a good God. You've got to understand that. He's, he's a good God. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness without injustice. Good and upright is he. And I love the way that C.S. Lewis says, but you know, he never said he was safe. You see, sometimes we equate safe with boring, and C.S. Lewis says, no, 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 he's not boring. Sometimes we equate safe with, he fits into my box and the way I do things. You see, I'm one of those people who likes things just so. And so this God is going to have to fit into my box. C.S. Lewis says he doesn't fit into our boxes all the time. Safe means predictable. Safe means, oh, I, 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 I know him and I've read his book. It's pretty good. I just know what he's going to do all the time now. C.S. Lewis says, no, 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 you, you don't understand. He, he's not safe. He's a God who will send a storm at his bidding. He's a God who in himself is like a storm. Standing at the back, we were worshiping, we were singing, Yahweh, Yahweh, we love to shout your name. Did you like that song? Oh, the band served us so well tonight. And I was just reflecting as we were singing, you know that, that Yahweh, Yahweh. We get that word Yahweh from, from four letters in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. When they wrote the Bible, they would just write, they wouldn't write Yahweh, they would just write Y-H-W-H, Y-H-W-H. You don't even know how it's supposed to be pronounced correctly. Because the Jews understood something about this storm-like, storm-sending God. They said that he is so holy, he is so awesome, that we don't even want to say his name. And if we're reading about him, when we get to those letters in the text YHWH, we're going to substitute something else in there and say something like the Lord Almighty, because his name is so holy and awesome, we don't want to say it out loud. I love about that is just reminds us something of the awesome nature of the storm sending storm like God who's not safe but man he's good how good is he well let's move on we've talked about Jonah's sending we've talked about Jonah's storm last but not least we're going to talk about Jonah's sacrifice now they got Jonah up. The lot's fallen to him. They've said, who are you? they said, what should we do? Jonah says, throw me overboard. Now, when you and I read that, we may think, oh, at last Jonah is starting to do the right thing. He's coming to his senses. But this reminds me of a story from my high school. I can't get it out of my mind, so maybe I should tell you about it. I was in high school. I went to boarding school. I was about uh, 12 years old. I was in Form 1, which is the most junior in the high school, the top of the school was the upper sixes. They were the prefects. And someone in our dorm had done something wrong. They'd done something very bad. But no one knew who it was and no one was owning up. And so the way things worked at the school that I went to is that in that situation, it was easy for the prefects to decide what to do. If they didn't know who to punish, they just punish everyone. And so they said, that's no problem. They had a word. It's called blanket punishment. You're all going to get punished if no one owns up. Now, we didn't know for sure who it was, but there was a prime suspect, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and his name was, don't want to repeat this outside of this tent, please. His name was Bailey. 
And so we're all standing there. We're probably standing at attention because it's attention every time that a prefect walks in the room. We're standing at attention. They're like, we're going to punish everyone because none of you, none of you guys are owning up and you're cowards and so on and so on. And then, and then Bailey, who was a prime suspect, he said, he put his hand up and he said, I will take the punishment for my dormitory. Now, we're all standing there, the other 12 of us, and we're thinking, now, Bailey, we don't know for sure who it was, but if it was someone, it would probably be you. And you've got two choices at this point in time. Either all of us get punished for something you probably did, or you get punished for something you definitely did. So after he said, oh, I'm, I'm going to take the punishment for the dormitory, the prefects went ahead and he said, no, 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 did you do it or didn't you? He said, okay, yes, I did it. <laughs> when you look at Johnny, you may think, oh, man, this is so heroic. It's like, no. His options are die with everyone on the boat or die alone off the boat. Either way, it's his fault. But, you know, there was actually a third option which is to repent and say, God, I'm so sorry. Please would you tell me what you're doing on planet Earth and show me how I fit into that and I want to fit into your plan. I realize realize that you're an awesome, storm-like, storm-sending God, but actually that draws me to you because you are absolutely beautiful and wonderful and you are good. And I want to fit into your plan for my life and for the world. And if that means going back to Nineveh, I will go back to Nineveh. But like you and me and the person next to you, Jonah was so stubborn. He said, I would rather jump off this boat and die than do what God told me to do. So it was a sacrifice of sorts. I hope that you see something of Jonah. I hope you see something of yourself tonight. But even more than that, I hope you see something of God tonight. Because the Bible talks about our God using the language of there's one who came and his his name was greater than Jonah's name. And the one greater than Jonah, he was also sent. Jonah was sent from Israel to Nineveh. God said, go. Jonah said, no. The greater Jonah was sent on a rescue mission from heaven to earth. God said, go, and Jesus said, yeah, I'll do it. To rescue people from all over the world, including the Western Cape, and bring them into heaven's plan. Jonah was sent and Jesus was sent. Jonah was in a storm. And in the storm he fell asleep. Sailors around him were scared. Someone woke him up and said, how come you're not praying? After an interrogation, Jonah said, throw me in. And after that the sea calmed down. The Bible talks about a greater Jonah. 
He was with his disciples on a boat in Mark chapter 4. The Bible says a furious storm came up. So much so that the disciples who were fishermen were terrified. They woke up, they said, God, don't you care if we drown? And this greater Jonah, you know what he had to do to still the storm? He just said, peace, be still. Because he's the one who makes the storms. Jonah made a sacrifice. He jumped off the boat to save the ship. He said, hey, listen, this is my fault. I'm responsible for this. And because of that, I'm willing to die so that the people on this ship can go free. The Bible says that there's one greater than Jonah. And he looked down at you and me. And he saw a mess, this is the difference, that he didn't create. And he put his hand up. And he said, this is not my fault. I am not responsible. But I'm willing to die on a cross so that guilty people can go free.